that are important to them. From politics and sports to health and the environment, check us out on 51%. Monday night at 8. Welcome to the local edition. News and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Thank you so much for being here with me on a Monday evening. It's not just any Monday evening. It's a holiday today. It's Indigenous Peoples Day. And coming up in the second half of the program, we're going to revisit Indigenous Women's Voices. Valerie Mancy has that report for us. But first up, we're starting where we usually start on a Monday here on the local edition. Checking in what's going on in Sullivan County. And one of the things Sullivan County is dealing with, of course, is the ongoing uh, opioid and uh, uh, drug addiction epidemic in our area. New tools arriving to deal with that, uh, especially in this past year of big news. There's the new designation, the high intensity drug trafficking area. And there's also the Healing Communities uh, study that was done. And right now we've got Camille O'Brien with us in studio, who's program manager uh, for Healing Communities. And uh, we're going to talk about um, Narcan in the community, among other things. Camille, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jason. Um, so, yeah, the Healing Community Study. So um, it's a administered through Columbia University, uh, and the funding comes from NIDA, the National Institute for Drug Abuse. Uh, so we're not the only county in the area actually getting this grant. Um, Ulster County got funding last year, and right now Orange County is also getting funding. But uh, for the past two years, there's been coalition building, building the Healing Communities team in Sullivan County, and deciding what to do with that money. And this year, we've actually put it into play. And one of the things coming through now, uh, we've been talking about it for a few months, but no ox boxes. So through our OEND work group, which is Opioid Education and Naloxone Distribution, uh, our champion, Scott Curry, has been great. He's built a great team. And we originally thought we were going to be able to order 60 Nalox boxes, but we were able to order a few more than expected. So now uh, we have a total of 174 to place around the county. We've placed yeah, 174 to place. I'm just going to pause you there. I want you to keep explaining this, but do you, could you tell me roughly where you are in that process? Like how many have actually gone out? Because that's a lot. It's a lot. And um, we've put about 20 out so far. Wow. I put another three out just last night. Um, I went into Wurtsboro. So I placed one at the Mamakating Library, uh, the G-Mart by the entrance exit. And then I also went up to the Sullivan House where uh, they're going to install it themselves. But they told me just uh, in the last couple months, they had a car screech up to their restaurant saying, we need Narcan. And that's exactly the original idea of these boxes that, you know, we're a rural county. So if somebody is out in rural Sullivan County somewhere and has, uh, you know, an incident like this happen and they need Narcan, they don't have it to be able to go somewhere. Because, I mean, God bless our first responders, but a lot of them in this county are volunteer and they aren't able to make it to a scene for, you know, sometimes 40, 45 minutes uh, through no fault of their own. We, we've got a lot of space here. It's a, in Sullivan County. There's a lot of Sullivan County. There's a lot of roads and there's a few people spread over a massive amount of, of distance. So it response to anything takes time. Absolutely. So the uh, the idea with these boxes was if we can get them all across Sullivan County, uh, we're developing a website uh, through Healing Communities also 
where we can map them. So anybody that thinks they might be in this situation or is uh, looking forward for the possibility, they can check on the map what boxes are closest to their home, work, or or places that they frequent. So if anything happens, they know where they can run quickly for Narcan. And, you know, we've been getting a lot of um, Narcan. Uh, Naloxone is the generic name, but Narcan is the brand that um, we've been putting out and a lot of people know it by. Um, hopefully somebody nearby has Narcan, but if they don't, these boxes are going to be all over. So, you know, uh, within a couple minutes, somebody can run, grab it, administer it, and, uh, you know, EMS or firefighters, state police, whoever gets there first will usually also have it on them. And as you're going around the county installing these in different places, this is the point of the conversation where I point out is as soon as we're done talking, we're going to literally install uh, one of these in the locks boxes right here at Radio Catskill. So we'll be one of the 174 locations that people might need to stop at at, at some time. Uh, why, so we're we're talking about some of the reason, uh, uh, you know, why, because there's so much space. And so but I mean, like this also seems like this speaks to. Um, the need and the seriousness of the problem too, right? Is that part of the reason why you, you'll have it someplace like right here at Radio Catskill? Absolutely. And, um, you know, they were originally planned as emergency boxes and they will function as emergency boxes. But because of the need and because the, the stigma associated, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing to compare it to, but we've been comparing it to uh, condom distribution where, you know, sometimes somebody doesn't want to go up and ask for it. So if we can put them in publicly accessible areas where people can uh, grab it without too much notice, say they have somebody at home that they're worried about or a neighbor, they're able to get it in uh, in public on their way out the door and have it in case of an emergency. So, you know, uh, we're we're doing the best we can to hedge off this problem in whatever ways we're, we're able to. Is there anything else that you want folks to know about? How do they access that map? Is that, I'm sorry, I missed that. Was, is that through an app or is that just like regular Google maps? Like how, how can folks mostly easily see, uh, where these locations are? So we're still developing the website. Uh, we're going to have this map on a website with, um, so we've been taking pictures of everywhere we install them so you could actually see where it is in the place. So, you know, you don't run in a door and you're looking left and right. You kind of have a, an idea of where it is when you run in somewhere. Um, but we're also making the call out to the community that uh, if you have a, a group or a business where you're not necessarily able to host in a lockbox, but you'd like to have your staff or group trained in Narcan administration. We can bring kits. Everybody can get a kit. We'll come. We'll train everybody, small groups, large groups, you know, however we can. Okay. So since we're going to have one of these boxes here, maybe that's a a next step for us uh, is getting that training too. Absolutely. You let us know what day and time works and we'll schedule it. We'll get uh, one or two trainers over here, you know, at minimum one, but we like to do it in pairs just so you know, if somebody uh, has extensive questions or, you know, it's always nice to have two points of view there. And when do you think, are you still looking for places to put them or do you have like all 170 plus locations already picked out? Are you still looking for folks to sign on to this? Absolutely. Anybody interested, please uh, reach out to the Department of Community Services, you know, or you can reach out to WJFF if you guys want to connect us. Um, but yeah, we're still looking for places. So up until... Two weeks ago, we were planning to have 60, but uh, as I said, we got a better deal on them than we expected, so we ordered another 114 uh, since it's a grant, and we had already lined out the amount of funding we had for these. Instead of giving the extra money back, 
we said, well, can we spend the rest of the line on more? And, you know, they said, absolutely. So instead of 60, we're getting 174, which, wow. yeah. It it helps to ask sometimes. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Department of Community Services, by the way, is online at uh, Sullivan County website. And, and the county website is sullivanny.us. That's sullivanny.us. Look for the Community Services Department. And the phone number is 845-292-8770. That's 845 292 Eight seven seven zero, and uh, you know, before we go, Camille, is there anything else that you want folks to know while we've got you here? Uh, just that there's help out there. So, uh, along with every um, naloxone kit that we've been giving out or placing in the boxes, we've also been placing a lot of uh, recovery information in the kits, from hope not handcuffs to uh, just pamphlets to give to somebody that maybe wants to consider recovery because, you know, uh, it's something that carries some, some shame and guilt with it. Uh, everybody's different, but you know, if we can plant the seed of recovery and just put it out there and, um, yeah, just, just to know that you're not alone, there's hope and there is help out there. And also along the lines while we're talking about it, uh, the, the national website for, uh, the healing communities study is, HealingCommunitiesStudy.org, and from there you can go specifically to the New York uh, page. So that's HealingCommunitiesStudy.org, and there is a New York page there to see what Healing Communities is up to in New York. And we have been talking to Camille O'Brien, Program Manager for the Healing Communities Study, doing the good work right here in Sullivan County. Uh, let's wrap up this conversation, then we'll go install the box right here at Radio Catskill. Absolutely. And, you know, if uh, it, it's not um – you know, somebody dressed in a, uh, how do I even say, in, in overalls coming. It's either me or somebody from our team and somebody from the community actually coming with a drill and installing it with you. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, finding the best spot. It's It's been a good experience. And we've actually been doing a lot of Narcan trainings as we install them. People that are interested, which is another great method of outreach. It's been nice. Okay, great. Well, thanks again for coming out here. Absolutely, Jason. Anytime. Look for pictures of our new Nalox box, our Narcan station here at Radio Catskill on social media. We'll be posting them there. And follow Radio Catskill on Twitter and Facebook. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we mark Indigenous Peoples Day by learning about the Indigenous Women's Voices series happening at HPAC this Saturday. Plus, I check in with Rabbi Elliot Kleinman of Congregation Beth Israel, talk about the bomb threat that they experienced during the High Holy Days and the rise of anti-Semitism around the world, around the country, and unfortunately right here in our listening area. Stay with us. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. This is Kusar Grace KG, right here in the place to be, WJFF Radio Catskills Music Emporium, Tuesday night, 7 to 9. Two hours of great music, jazz, funk, blues. I got mellow grooves that help you unwind, exciting rhythms that help you cut loose. Join me Tuesday night for the Music Emporium, 7 to 9, right here on Radio Catskills. Listen local.
CDC recommends everyone six months and older get an updated COVID-19 vaccine to protect against the potentially serious outcomes of COVID-19 illness this fall and winter. To find COVID-19 vaccine locations near you, text your zip code to 438-829, call 1-800-232-0233, or go to wjffradio.org, where you'll find a vaccine locator and COVID tracker. Radio Catskill, keeping you connected. Welcome back to the Local Edition. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Today is Indigenous Peoples Day, and coming up on Saturday, HPAC in Hurleyville is again hosting the series Indigenous Women's Voices. Valerie Mancy spoke to Elian Hutchinson, Interim Co-Executive Director of the Hurleyville Performing Arts Center, a couple of weeks ago. Welcome, Elian Hutchinson, to Radio Tatskill here in Liberty. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Good. Well, this is very exciting because your Indigenous Women's Voices series is now in its fourth year, I believe. Yes. That's That's something to be very proud of. Yes. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about the history before we get into what's going to be happening on Saturday, October 14th? Sure. Um, We actually started it right during the pandemic. Um, We ended up doing an online event um, where we had panel discussions with indigenous women um, talking about art, really, um, and and the art practice. And we followed it with a few films. So we had a film series as well. Last year, we did a talk back and some uh, and mostly movies. And what is this year going to include? So this year's theme is teaching freedom. So it's ah. uh, three events. Uh, it'll start with a fiber workshop called uh, Stone Age Fiber Crafts Tools and Techniques, and learning how to use all, like natural materials and things to make cordage. Um, so Ooh, kind to of make observing what? cordage, so rope, and you know using really things that you find in nature. So grasses and textiles and things. So it'll be a really fun hands-on workshop. And that's um, run by Eco Acres. And they are all about indigenous teaching and and using kind of ecological awareness. So observing, like foraging and observing what's around you. Are they in this neighborhood or come Um, from? They're not too far. I believe they're in near, kind of near New Paltz over that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And? And then following, we have a screening of Dawnland. Um, It's a documentary about uh, a reconciliation panel that was started for residential schools in Maine. So really interesting documentary, just the history of residential schools, which were basically forced education for indigenous people and it's a more recent history than people are, are aware of so there it's a really interesting documentary and then that'll be followed by Gowiniosta Jock will be talking about the Aquasasane Freedom School it's a it's a school that's that teaches indigenous ways and that's in Catskills just not too far from here as well and how has the response from the public been Positive. Over the years, yeah, I would imagine positive. so. Yeah. If you're, it's wonderful <laughs> conversation because it's it really brings you know um, kind of new perspectives that you don't just get to hear that. Often. And is it a men as well as women and children too? Yeah, it's open to everyone. Um, we we focused on sort of women as the as the primary voice because it's often the one that's shadowed. And in in a lot of indigenous cultures, it is 
the, the women are on equal par, if not above sort of in the hierarchy, if, if, if that's the right word, mm-hmm. um, with men. So it's, it's sort of a slightly different than what our kind of Western culture is. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a balance, I think, you know, okay. I think everyone has their role and, and child rearing and all of those things that are just inherent to bringing people through their life. You forget that women pay, play a major, major part in that. <laughs> yeah, as well. As women, we don't forget. That, <laughs> yes. That's for sure. But I'm glad you're there to remind those of us who, who might forget. And how this is going on for a day, a weekend? This is, uh, this is a one-day event. Um, so it, at noon is the workshop. Three o'clock is our film screening. And then 4.30, there'll be the discussion. Great, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. So, are you excited about this? Very. Yeah. 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 And also related to this, we we have a, a, an indigenous sci-fi film series. So we have two oh. other films that are screening, and really, it's focused on the talk back um, with an indigenous person. So um, one is one film is Prey, and the other one is Night Raiders. So those are both um, films that were either directed or produced by an indigenous person. And so the perspective is... Oh, how um, interesting. Yes, I I think I saw that online. And are these younger directors and producers? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, there's a lot to look forward to, and I would also add a lot to learn. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) so that's what you're there for, correct? It's arts and education. Absolutely, yes. It's it's just bringing the conversation around and, and kind of connecting... We all get more connected when we're hearing all of the different ways of kind of living and existing in the world. Touche. Okay. So uh, just to remind our listeners, it's Indigenous Women's Voices series, and it's Saturday, October 14th from 12 to 7 p.m. What is your website? org, and you can find all the information there. Fabulous. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you, Valerie, for that report. Finally, tonight, we follow up on some bad news in the community from last month. On September 18th, in the midst of the High Holy Days, Holmesdale police went to Congregation Beth Israel, and they brought bomb-sniffing dogs to the historic synagogue. A bomb threat had been made, a regional threat. Rabbi Elliot Kleinman had to notify the police. Thankfully, they came, the dogs checked it out, and the synagogue was fine, or at least it was safe from immediate physical danger. But this is just the latest example of rising anti-Semitism in our country and, sadly, anti-Semitism right here in our listening area. So I called Rabbi Kleinman to see how he and his congregation are doing and to continue the conversation that we've had in the past about anti-Semitism right here on this program. I spoke to him last Thursday. I was wondering if you could just start off by just giving us the basics of what, what was this threat? How did you hear about it? What actually happened? Well... Jason, I'm not going to go into uh, details about the specifics of this particular security event. We don't discuss the specifics. But I will tell you that the Jewish community nationwide, worldwide, has been under threat of increased anti-Semitism. And uh, you, all you need to do is read the newspapers and you see the number of congregations, Jewish organizations, institutions that have been under threat, that have been uh, what they call swatted. Um, uh, 
where uh, bomb threats are called in and other kinds of threats are called in or emailed in or texted, etc. Um, we've had to take a variety of, of precautions uh, in our regular lives. And it is unfortunate that our society that for a time had been growing more tolerant seems to be growing less and less tolerant each day. That these kinds of threats to attempt to disrupt the community, to attempt to target Jews, are on the rise everywhere. That said, I will also tell you that it didn't change a thing about our congregation's actions. We held high holiday services, we gathered, we prayed, we celebrated, as we always do. And we will not give in to the threats, we will not be made subject to the threats, uh, we will continue to gather as a Jewish community and to celebrate our holidays, to celebrate one another, and to be there in the most difficult and most joyous times in one another's lives. That's great to hear. At the same time, even if nothing follows through from these threats, the threats themselves must take a toll because, I mean, this is fear-inducing. This is, this is <laughs> harassing and terrorizing a community. The threats... It- are a horrific form of terror and harassment. They also bring out in our community the extraordinary resilience that has allowed the Jewish community and Jewish communities around the world to endure over the years. This congregational community in Honesdale is nearly 175 years old. The resilience this community showed, not just in this moment, but shows over the years to be a part of the Honesdale community, an integral part of the Honesdale community, for nearly 175 years says a lot about the strength of that community. The last time we spoke about this is almost a year ago, I think. Um, you know, you, you, you talked about how this isn't what America is supposed to be, essentially, that we should no. make sure it's a place where, you know, hate has no home. There is no uh, hate in how uh, America works. So what are you getting enough of a response from the non-Jewish community uh, that, that you live in and communities surrounding you? It's not my place to say this is handled well, this is not handled well. Rather, I would make two observations. The first is that when we had a problem in our congregation uh, around the High Holy Days, the response of the Honesdale Police Department, the county, the state was exceptional. And I cannot express sufficiently my appreciation for their caring and concern for our community. The second thing I will tell you is that I believe this is what brings communities together. And in the most difficult times, I urge non Jews and non-Jews alike to cry out and say enough is enough, to say this is unacceptable. And it happens in large ways and smalls. Of course, bomb threats are unacceptable. I don't think there's anybody who will disagree with that. We need to change the dialogue. It's also unacceptable to categorize Jews and to say that all Jews are this or all Jews are that. It's also unacceptable to tell the Jewish joke or to talk about Jews and money or even to use Jewish images 
online and elsewhere when talking about politics or something else. That needs to be called out every bit as much as the big things that people like to talk about. Because that's all part of the rise in anti-Semitism that we're seeing. It's all part of the rise in anti-Semitism. It is, it's all part of the rise of anti-Semitism, but it also feeds the rise in anti-Semitism. Yeah. When the jokes become acceptable, the threats become acceptable. When the, the images become acceptable, the threats and the danger inevitably follow. I like that. I'm seeing um, a similarity, a syllogism between uh, the response that you were telling me about within your own congregation and then also the the opportunity of a response in the wider community. It sounds like just as with your congregation, you could say, you know what, this is an attack on us. This is harassment of us, terrorizing of us. But this is an opportunity for us to come together, be strong and and stick with who we are and what we do and not change anything. It sounds like similarly, you're saying that's what the wider community can do, that this this is a horrible thing, but it provides us with an opportunity to come together. Now, look, I, I hate the fact that it takes moments like this to bring a community together. And yet, the reality is, is that when you pick up the phone and you call your Jewish neighbor and you say, I heard about what happened, I just want to tell you I'm standing with you. When you send a note, we received a couple of lovely notes in the congregation from people in the community who just wanted to let us know they stand with us. If, if other clergy people use their pulpit to publicly say, this is unacceptable, the large and the small, that is what brings the community together. And that ultimately will help us to defeat the anti-Semitism. And that's that's a big part of why I wanted to talk to you. That's why I wanted to check in because when I, I heard the news, I heard the news a little late, and I said, "Well, we gotta we gotta talk to Rabbi Kleinman." I appreciate that. But now that we are talking too, um, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to let us know about anything else that's going on uh, in your congregation and in your community uh, there in Honesdale. Anything uh, coming up on the horizon that you want folks to know about? Well, the most important thing I can tell you is that we are entering our 175th year. So be on the lookout for a whole variety of announcements about special programs, open houses, etc. We want to invite the larger community to celebrate with us. We're planning on holding an exhibit at the Historical Society in Homesdale uh, with some of the original documents uh, about the congregation, but also about the people who were involved in the congregation. This is not just this synagogue's history, it is the history of this community, and we are celebrating that. Um, more immediately, check out our website. We have Shabbat services uh, at least once a month. We have study opportunities, and there's always an opportunity to find a community in our congregation. We invite people who uh, live in the area or are in the area part of the year or part of the week to check us out, visit with us, become a member. And that website is congregationbethisraelhonesdale.org, congregationbethisraelhonesdale.org. And we've been talking to Rabbi Elliot Kleiman from Congregation Beth Israel, getting ready for its 175th year in the Honesdale community. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Was there anything else you wanted to get to that, that we didn't get a chance to talk about? 
Jason, thank you for both raising the image and, and publicity about our congregation, but more importantly, thank you for helping to spread the word about how we can defeat anti-Semitism in our community. We appreciate it. Well, that's going to do it for the local edition tonight. I've been your host, Jason Dole. I want to thank you so much for listening. Do keep listening on air, online at WJFFradio.org, on your smart device, your smart speaker. Just ask you to play Radio Catskill. Coming up tonight, we've got the Laura Flanders Show at 7. And we've also got Trailer Talk with Sabrina Artel at 7.30. But before all of that, we've got the Daily Next and the latest headlines from NPR. This is Radio Catskill. Radio Catskill supporters include SUNY Sullivan, a community college in the Sullivan Catskills focused on preparing students for the future. More information at sunysullivan.edu. Livingston Manor, dining, shopping, and the arts at the Gateway to the Catskill Park. LivingstonManorNY.com. And listeners like you who donate at WJFFRadio.org. I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now!, independent, grassroots, global news. Our reporting includes breaking daily news headlines and in-depth interviews with people on the front lines of the world's most pressing issues. People speaking for themselves, providing unique and sometimes provocative perspectives on global events. Democracy Now!, weekdays at noon, right here on Radio Catskill. You're listening to Radio Catskill, WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello.